today on Tea and Teaching. I think in order to think about what in Edutech is really good about closing that attainment gap, we almost need to step out and go, what's good about tech, about making humans um, work smarter, not harder? With EdTech, a teacher in the click of a few buttons can go, all right, okay, the topic I'm teaching at the moment is, is this. This is what I want them to learn about. Um, and then the EdTech will know where the child was before, so know where to start them off, and then keep them at their optimal challenge level in real time. Um, so it's responsive teaching at, outside of the classroom, if you like. Definitely. And we do want to get to redefinition. And I think, you know, there's lots of very, very exciting things happening in, in tech at the moment, which which has the potential to, to redefine everything we're seeing with with large language models um, and, and what it what it can what they potentially can do. Welcome to Tea and Teaching, the educational podcast you can listen to with a cup of tea. I'm Arthur Moore. And with me, as always, it's Mike Harrowell. Hi, Mike. Hello, Arthur. How are you? Oh, I'm fantastic, buddy. We haven't done this in a while, but I have got a couple of amazing podcast series on the go at the moment, which I know we are basically WhatsApping about every day. Uh, a British cult, go listen to it. Um, Believe in Magic, go listen to it, both on BBC Sounds. Um, that's pretty much taken over our lives at the moment, right, Mike? It has. But before you listen to those, listen to this. We are speaking to Anna Masterson from Atom Learning today. She's going to talk to us about EduTech, how it can help us be amazing teachers and how technology can support us, not replace us. So stick that kettle on, grab that biscuit. And after this break, we'll be back with Anna Masterson. Welcome back to Tea and Teaching. We are joined today by Anna from Atom Learning. Anna, welcome to Tea and Teaching. Hi, really lovely to meet you both. Nice to meet you, Arthur. Nice to meet you, Mike. No, our pleasure. Uh, for those who maybe don't know who you are, Anna, do you want to give us the quick who is Anna story? Yeah, absolutely. So my name's Anna. I was a primary school teacher for about 12 years. I taught in Key Stage 1 and in Key Stage 2. I led English in a primary school, led maths in a primary school at different times. And I was always really, really teacher, uh, curious about how my teaching can be better to enable children to, to learn more. I really love that Dylan William quote, and I'm definitely going to misquote him here, but he says something about how every teacher needs to improve, not because they're not good enough, but because everyone can be better. And I was definitely that teacher who spent a lot of time thinking about teaching and learning. I think when I was teaching, my bedside reading would be like one book on pedagogy, one book on like the class novel for the kids and then one book for myself. Um, and I was I've been teaching for about 12 years. I wanted to broaden my impact. And I, I knew that probably the leadership route wasn't going to be right for, for me. I think head teachers do an amazing job, but um, so much of what they do kind of moves away from thinking about teaching and learning. And so I wanted to broaden my impact and I saw a job advert for a company called Atom Learning and it was to lead their education team. 
And so I had like a, a play on their product and read about them and, and met some of the team. And I was just really, really um, impressed and excited by the product that they built and the vision that they had and um, the, the team that I met. I met um, Jake who founded the company, co-founded the company. And I remember saying to him, okay, right, tell me about Atom Learning. How, how have you built this product? And he said to me, right, well, we've built it on Rosenshine's principles of instruction. And I said, and I was like, mm, that sounds like a really good line. So I pushed him and I was like, well, well tell me, how have you built it on Rosenshine's principles of, atom, uh, of, of instruction? And he did, he was able to say, you know, like we ask a high volume of questions. We're always checking for student understanding. We guide the, the student learning in, in what they're doing. Um, and I was like, okay, this is really exciting. This is a company who really want to use everything we know about education um, and put it into practice to, to build something really exciting. Um, and so in, in 2020, I, I joined Atom Learning to, to lead on their, their educational offering. I think what's really interesting about Atom, but we, like, we can talk about other edutech companies, is this whole thing of using edutech to kind of reduce the attainment gap between our our most and least privileged students. And I was wondering kind of from someone who kind of works in that industry and works with schools and students and teachers all the time, like what is it about Edutech that's really good in closing that attainment gap? So I think in order to think about what in Edutech is really good about closing that attainment gap, we almost need to step out and go, what's good about tech, about making humans um, work smarter not harder um and so like i definitely think edutech isn't about going well actually um let's let's diminish the role of teachers let's get loads of robot teachers it, it's definitely not that at all um i definitely see it as an um, edutech plus brilliant teachers is our best bet in um closing the attainment gap um if you think about um every industry like tech is a multiplier it enables us to work smarter not harder um i was listening to um a podcast with james clear the guy who wrote atomic habits um and and he said like we in our lifetime we only have a certain number of keystrokes um and i was like that's that's fairly um, morbid but but true um and so we get to really multiply our effect. I, if I think about my day-to-day -day job, if someone that I'm working with um, wants to learn something from me, I can sit down and I can show them or I can record a loom and get them to watch it whenever they want and then come to me with questions. And then we can put everything that we've learned together on a Notion page that other people can go and read. I think um, this podcast is a brilliant example of um, using tech as a multiplier effect. Like if we were having this conversation in a school hall with maybe a, a hundred teachers, um, we have a, a relatively small audience who'd have to be somewhere at a specific time. Um, they, if they were a bit bored, they wouldn't be able to fast forward. If they thought something was really interesting, they wouldn't be able to rewind. And so I think ed tech is a multiplier effect. Um, if you bring that back to, to, to students, I think with um, there's loads and loads of efficacy, efficacy studies to say that, you know, like one to one tuition is a really, really good way to improve student outcomes. Um, but it's really expensive. Um, and so Jake and Alex, when they founded Atom, 
they were frustrated by the inaccessibility of of one-to-one tuition for most families and so they wanted to build a tech product which was a viable alternative so they worked with a team of like 10 teachers and one web developer um to build something that was a viable alternative to a one-to-one tutor so we're a team of like there's about 140 of us and we have an impact on like hundreds of thousands of students we don't have hundreds of thousands of tutors um but yet we can we can have an impact um EdTech enables um, the use of adaptive technology. So what's brilliant about a one-to-one tutor is that tutor gets to know you really well and, and knows what the student needs and, and knows what their next steps are. And actually something like Atom and some any sort of adaptive learning platform um, can use um, data to know what the child's done before and then what they, what they need next. Um, add to that, we want to make education accessible and actually a really, really important part of that is making it fun. So building a platform which feels fun and children enjoy using um, is also a really, really good way to close the attainment gap. And then I think that's great. Building an alternative to one-to-one tuition is as as a step to closing the attainment gap is really, really exciting. Um, but I started answering your question by saying putting ed tech in the hands of really great teachers is what makes it really, really powerful. Um, and so I think building a platform for teachers that uses what we know about adaptive technology is, is really, really powerful. Why? Um, I think teachers that are then able to have like really, really data-driven responsive teaching anywhere anytime i i remember being a year six teacher and um needing set i think probably maths homework and going okay right well if i differentiate like four different ways four different worksheets you know i, I definitely wouldn't get it right i definitely would have had our child who um found it dead easy and was frankly a bit bored i would definitely have had a child who you know there would be a note from parents saying they really struggled with this. It was too hard. Um, with ed tech, a teacher in the click of a few buttons can go, oh, okay, the topic I'm teaching at the moment is, is this. This is what I want them to learn about. Um, and then the ed tech will know where the child was before, so know where to start them off, and then keep them at their optimal challenge level in real time. Um, so it's responsive teaching outside of the classroom, if you like. Um, and then that's also auto-marked. So a teacher then can either spend their time thinking about next steps, planning an intervention, um, or actually, you know, we know that we're in a, a bit of a, a teacher recruitment crisis and in a workload crisis, teachers can have can have some time back. So I think thinking about students and teachers, first of all, is, is how ed tech closes the attainment gap. The other way I think it can be really, really powerful is um, in empowering parents, thinking about lots of EEF studies and actually my own teacher experience. We know that parental engagement has a pretty significant impact on, on raising attainment and, and supporting children's progress. And when a child comes home with with a worksheet potentially that they they need to complete, um, that 
that parent, maybe that hard to reach parent who maybe was disengaged themselves in school, um, doesn't really have any support to to support their child. Whereas something like EdTech, you you can flip the classroom around, the video that was available in the lesson can be there to watch again. the the page from the textbook can be can be there to be to be seen again and jump in there Anna because we've been talking what I really like is what you're talking about is kind of this adaptiveness of ed tech um and we we've spoke about this on a couple of episodes Mike about kind of using technology but not just for the sake of using technology and the way I see it and Mike you may correct me if here's that it kind of feels like this is just becoming an extension of initially we just gave worksheet we gave the worksheet then we differentiated by giving free worksheets and now we give and just say pupils i'll just do these questions you do these questions and what we're doing is we're kind of passing that kind of understanding of student strengths and weaknesses using the data-driven side of it and that's where kind of tech is coming in mike you're probably been around to see all these kind of I, I I don't want to use the word fads, but you've been around in education for a, a few years. Have you? Is that something you've seen kind of with the increase in tech, which I know you use in kind of your classrooms and schools you've been in? Yeah, what, what we've seen in recent years is that shift from differentiation to scaffolding. So the idea, like you were saying, Anna, the idea of teaching three different lessons within the same lesson, which was exhausting for teachers, you know, three different worksheets, three different sets of questions, three different sets of feedback to actually teaching a lesson where we look at how we can scaffold up, scaffold down, um, and give that kind of equity of access to learning um, to students. And I think that's the wonder of of tech. And what you're saying there is, now I can't sit and analyze 30 sets of data. You know, as a a primary school teacher gets 30 students, but they get them across multiple subjects. I get the same subject, multiple sets of 30 students. I haven't got time to sit there and analyze 30 tests or 30 workbooks and work out where my teaching needs to adapt what common misconceptions we've got but a a computer a technology system like atom learning can do that for me and give me really really quick feedback and inform my next planning really really quickly so i think that's that's where technology has kind of found its niche within within education and that's where i find it really really useful it sounds to me Anna, like you're saying is that's what your platform does. And that's what platforms similar to Atom Learn with this adaptive um, learning, adaptive teaching does. Yeah, absolutely. I I think you, you've explained it there in a nutshell and that it gives teachers, it, it does the work that teachers could do, but quite frankly, it takes a very, very long time. And we've, we've gone, do you know what, what can we automate so that actually the expert teacher can 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 add value in in other ways um and i think one thing that when i think about data when i first joined atom um as someone who'd been teaching for a long time i was um quite surprised and i i I'd probably say affronted that um, when questions go onto a platform like atom that, that's adaptive and those questions don't go on with a difficulty grading set by a teacher. So as teachers, we we have a real sense, a real expertise about how difficult a question is. But actually, on adaptive platforms, uh, the, the questions are um, based on users' responses. So 
the questions will get like a hundred different responses and then it'll be given a user grading and that will determine the difficulty of the question. And I, I remember when I first joined being surprised and, and kind of taken aback that actually is my understanding of what's a difficult question accurate or actually it, am I not, not sure here because actually the children's responses is a much better indication of what's difficult and what's not difficult and, and how what progression looks like than what I think it does, what my perception of it is. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. I, I was listening to you there Anna, and I was thinking all about um, oh fam, uh, Fisher Family Trust yeah. targets that we always get in secondary school and PE teachers and art teachers and drama teachers always sit there and go, how can you predict what a student's going to get in our subject based on English and maths in year six? But actually what is behind that is such a rich pool of data of students who score a, I don't know, an old school level four, yeah. level five at a SAT, go on and the chances are, the probabilities are they go on to get this regardless. And you've got such a rich pool of data behind it. It's actually incredibly accurate. Um, but for me, anecdotally, of course, I don't believe in that. Um, and like you said, anecdotally, I, I will look at a question and go, oh, I think that's quite hard. And then my class might absolutely like nail it. Or I might give them a really easy question and suddenly they're all just sitting there looking blankly at me and stumbling. And the wonder of these, these technology platforms is that they're backed up by such a pool of data. They're actually able to make a better judgment than us on a lot of these things. And again, that's where it takes out that workload for the teacher. And it also adds a, a level of validity and reliability to what you're doing as well. Mike, do you think the difficulty there is as as teachers, maybe where sometimes we don't we don't understand how the tech is working and that leads to say, oh, well, in my classroom, how is that student going to get that grade? Whereas what the, what the maths, the data set is saying, it's taking these huge mass bits of data and just condensing it down to probability essentially that's why it really condenses it down takes it in that, that way whereas as teachers we like like we, we do know best for the individual student but sometimes we don't know best for the population as a whole uh because we know our context very well and is that everything i'm saying now feel free to say you're an idiot you're an idiot <laughs> open that up far too easy there not at all. I, I think I think you're spot on. I think as teachers, we know our contexts so well. We know individual students so well. We we know our curriculum really, really well. And big big data enables us to to see things on on a macro scale. I think it also um, opens up the question about learning design and and designing questions. We've done some quite interesting things where. We've we've looked at questions where I've gone, oh, that's a really difficult question. We've we've put it live, and then we've analysed whether I was right or or totally wrong, to be honest. And that's been really really interesting because you come back to it and you go, well, okay, the knowledge that's being assessed in that question, I, I thought was really easy, but obviously the way I've phrased it or the way we put it together means that it's it's not something children can access so therefore how do we redesign the question because what we're assessing is this but clearly we've not conveyed that in a way that means that that children understand it and I think 
that opens up a question of learning design, which as a as a team of learning designers, we've we've the time to do that. But as as teachers who have seven thousand other things to do, thinking about like the learning design of each individual question is it, it, hugely onerous. And that can only work with big data, these big data sets. Like we do it as teachers, don't we? And Mike, I'm sure you're doing it in the classroom where you go, oh, I got that question wrong in my class. So next time I teach this, I'm going to slightly change that. But you might not teach that again for six months, a year. Uh, whereas having this access to this mass data set, it does it instantly. And I think that's where we as teachers, like sometimes we're, we're a bit wary of this because it's maybe taken away our expertise. It's taken away our skill. It's taken away our training. But I think we need to kind of maybe change our mindset and say, like, it's just going to enhance what we're really good at, which is helping that student at that moment in that very specific question. That's when teachers excel. That's when we see the best teaching, isn't it? When the teacher's going around the room, helping the teachers. Like, um, Mike, is that something that you could see working kind of across a school, across a department, across kind of a an area of schools, the hundreds of schools you uh, you work with? You work, you ask any teacher at GCSE level and the best kind of resource we've got in terms of assessment is last year's exam paper with the with the assessor's report. Yep. Because we can see national averages on that. We can get a, a feedback on common misconceptions. But that is such a limited set of questions. You know, there, we're only examining about 50% of the content every GCSE paper. So I, I'm not I'm not getting that for all the topics we're doing. I'm not getting that for all different types of questions. But if that's put into, like you said, uh, this kind of rich data set, I'm I'm a good teacher. I'm probably a very average assessor. Um, I, I think where I think the best example of like data-driven assessment comes in is I'm a huge admirer of Daisy Christodoulou and the work she's doing with comparative judgment. And I think if you ask any teacher who sat in a moderation meeting, I remember sitting in them when, when levels existed and me saying, well, I think that's a 3A because of this, this and this. And someone else, well, I think it's a 2B because of this, this and this. And the conversations we have around moderation, basically we're, we're humans and we're really subjective and, and we're, we we do have bias and and using something like comparative judgment to assess is a really really good way to to take a data set and 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 get much more reliable results about what good looks like or what a certain threshold looks like with the population that we've got mike that feels like a good moment to take a biscuit break refresh ourselves um, I love talking about big data. So hopefully we'll talk more about big data because this is the pod I've been waiting for. Go get a biscuit. We'll be back in a moment. Hello, Adele Bates here, behaviour and education specialist, keynote speaker and author of Miss I Don't Give a Shit, Engaging with Challenging Behaviour in Schools. I hope that you are enjoying today's episode of Tea and Teaching. And if you are, of course, sing and dance about it, uh, review it and subscribe. You can get us over at Twitter on Tea and Teaching. Now enjoy the rest of your episode. Welcome back to Tea and Teaching. And I've got a question to follow on 
we like in the second half of our shows to kind of talk about how we can use this in our, our classrooms. So you've talked in terms of a platform such as Atom Learning being a really, really good revision tool. It's adaptive learning. It's got lots of recall behind it. Um, it's a really good revision tool. If I'm a teacher and I want to start using a platform like this, I want to start using some edutech to support my knowledge of how students are doing. What's your, your kind of advice to class teachers on how they can use platforms such as this to give them a better understanding of students? So I think my, my first bit of advice is there's obviously many, many providers out there and you have to think about what's right for the subject you're teaching, the context, context you're in. And I think going to something like EdTech Impact is, is a really good place to start to get a good view of, of what's out there and, and what suits your, your needs. I, I think that um, re reading about a company and, and, and looking at it and going, well, hang on, does this align with my values about what education is? Are they citing some level of, of educational research or can I look at the platform and, and see everything I know about cognitive science or, or that the, can I translate that into what I'm doing? I think is, is a really good place to, to start. And then I also think you, um, you have to um, have a go and, and see what's working and what's not. I think where, where we have to be careful is you don't want um, something to be tech for the, the sake of tech or just, just replace what you're already doing. I, I remember, um, working in a school where we had one-to-one -one devices, which was fantastic. But I remember watching a lesson and um, there was a presentation on the board and um, kids were annotating this presentation, but it was tiny and they would have just been so much better with mini whiteboards. And I think it's about making sure you're using tech to enhance what you're doing um, and, and move things forward and it'd be different, not a replacement for the analog thing that would have worked just as well. Yeah, it's, you, you can't just throw tech in and hope it's going to be the solution. I've seen lessons as well. It's like, right, instead of me doing my presentation on the board, let's all watch the same presentations on our iPad and that'll be better rather than you just thinking, oh, I've got an iPad. Do you know what I like doing at home with my iPad? I like watching, I don't know what kids watch. Hey, Dougie. Um, it's what I watch. I like Hey Dougie. Uh, Mike, you wanted to jump in there? No, I was just, we talked about this before. Another, hey Dougie? Uh, we've never talked about Hey Dougie before. This is a pod first. Um, we talked about the Samhar model before when we talked about Edutech. And, you know, that if it's just substitution, you know, you talked about the, the whiteboards. You know, iPads cannot be three, four hundred pound mini whiteboards. Um, you know how it goes through that process doesn't it of substitution augmentation modification and then redefinition and what we want from our edutech is to redefine the way we work and the way students learn and how effectively we can adapt our teaching based on that learning definitely and we do want to get to redefinition and i think you know there's lots of very very exciting things happening in in tech at the moment which which has the potential to to redefine everything we're seeing with with large language models um and and what it what it can what they potentially can do it is very very exciting i think um as individuals we 
we can apply it to our classroom but then I think it comes down to to school leadership and if if you're trying to introduce tech then it's like anything though you've got people who will be scared people who will be excited and and it's about like that that change management that that trans transition that everyone's got to go through and I do think um if you're an early adopter and it's really exciting to to get thinking about how tech can redefine your classroom then it's brilliant um if you're not an early adopter it's okay to be to be led by by the whole school to to see which bits of ed tech you can use to adapt your teaching but I do think what's a compelling reason to to do it it is about um enabling teachers to to work smarter not harder or have time back actually there's no need for a teacher to pour over 30 pieces of, of homework now and mark every single one individually there's no need um for three-way four-way differentiation um diff different worksheets we there is tech that enables you to, to to set a child at the challenge level you you can use tech to engage those harder to to reach parents and get them interested in what what children are learning um and so i think presenting it as a compelling reason that's going to make life easier um just in ev like every other walk of life at the moment, tech does make our lives easier. That's how we, we can embrace it. Absolutely. Um, I'm interested just to take this conversation in a slightly different direction, Emma. How important is creating a level of intrinsic and extrinsic motivation for these platforms? So how important is it that students get rewards for, for working on these platforms and to keep them motivated to learn? Because if you've got a tutor an appointment with Arthur, you're going to have to turn up every single week and he's going to do a little bit of motivation for you. But if you've got this platform at home that is a you know, a more affordable alternative to Arthur and um, that does just as good a job, um, <laughs> what's going to motivate you to keep coming back and keep working with that? So I think this is a really interesting question. And I think my opinion on it has changed over time. Um I would have trained as a teacher around the time where lots of people were talking about Shirley Clark and intrinsic motivation and extrinsic motivation, which maybe shows my age. And I would have been quite purist about, you know, intrinsic motivation. And, you know, we want children to be learning for the, for the sake of learning. But actually, as I've grown older and possibly wiser, I think there is a place for extrinsic motivation. I, I also think, like you say, um, a child might be intrinsically motivated to turn up to have their tutoring session with with Arthur um, in a way that they're not intrinsically motivated to hop onto a learning platform and do some questions. And so I do think there are things that we can do to um, make it extrinsically motivating to, to turn up and do some questions. Um, and we have a brilliant team of, of product designers who spend a lot of time thinking about it, this kind of thing. And um, they've recently introduced that when a child logs onto the platform, Atto, who's like the mascot, um, tells them a joke and then they get on with their questions. Um, and my son is, is in year two and he would much rather be kicking a ball or climbing a tree than he would be doing some questions. But he'll often say to me, do you think I can do a little bit of Atom? And what he really wants to say to me is, can I just go and find out what the joke is? But once he's got the joke, he then wants to get on with some questions. And so I think building in extrinsic motivation is, is a, a necessary part to 
get that stickability to get children building that habit until they they're not turning up for the joke they're turning up for for the learning but to begin with yeah you you definitely do need it this is where i'm going wrong with my year 10s you're not telling the jokes i'm not telling the joke at the start of the lesson this is mike mike where do um bad shapes get sent uh prism to prism very good uh, and that's the kind of stuff that keeps you coming back to tea and teaching. I was going to say on your point, Anne, and kind of coming back to you as well, Mike, what's really good about p- these platforms with these big data sets is what they do is they make questions accessible to students. There is nothing less motivating than not achieving. So if you get some questions to take home from your school and you can't do question one and you can't do question two and question three, you're gone. You, there's no motivation there at all. Whereas what platforms and edutech does with its big data is it allows the student to get a question right because it sets a question for them at that moment. They get a question right, they achieve, they get more motivated. So they achieve, so they get more motivated. And we know, we know achievement comes before motivation. You know I was going to bring this up, Mike, because that thing changed my teaching more than any other bit of knowledge I've ever gained that we have to allow our students to achieve um and anna is nodding me and she's going to say i agree with arthur i'm going to say that mr barton's point at atom that's definitely true that achievement is is hugely important we we know from rose and shine we that achieving a high success rate is so important for educational outcomes and we can use the big data that we've got to go right okay this is what we know about this child this is what we know about this question therefore this is the percentage probability that they have of answering that question correctly and we make sure that we set the algorithm so like rosenstein says like 80 percent, but that's with an expert teacher who the child's got a relationship with in a safe environment in the classroom um we set it higher so we we set it for like 85 percent for year five six a little bit higher for year three and four um because we know that if children are answering questions correctly they are motivated equally we don't set it at 100 percent because that's not motivating either and it is about get keeping kids in their challenge zone i think the other thing there is if a child's faced with a question at home with that homework sheet and they can't do question one and there's no teacher there, well, then they're, they're, they're really struggling. Whereas if the child's faced with a question on an ed tech platform that they, that maybe the algorithm, they're finding it hard. They've got access to a video. They've got access to a help sheet that they can go and watch with a worked example. Um, because you know, maybe the lesson was on Monday and they're not attempting to do their homework till Wednesday night and they've forgotten. And so there's there's resources there to help them so that they can achieve. And I think it's that balance between support and challenge, which makes an online platform such a useful resource to students and to teachers as well. Um, and it helps the students understand where they're at and how they can progress and it helps the teachers understand the students a little bit better on an individual level as well and help how they can challenge them and how they can support them in their classrooms um, and I think it's a, a fantastic point to wrap up our conversation there Anna 
just Mike, did you just say my own point is a fantastic point to round up on? No, I, I meant that's the, the crux <laughs> of our conversation, Arthur. I would never uh, phrase myself like that. And I was going to say, if people have listened to this and they're really interested in you and they're really interested in platforms like Atom Learning, where can they go to find out a bit more about the product? So I think it's worth saying that the product is free to schools. So it's it's completely free to schools. And they can either go to atomlearning.com or, or Google us or they can just email schools at atomlearning.co.uk and um, one of the, the guys in the schools team will go and just talk them through the product and, and, and how it works and, and get them set up. And yeah, the, the product is completely free to schools. And then the home platform, which we do charge for, we do give for free to any child who's eligible for free school meals because you know that is part of closing the attainment gap that you know it you shouldn't be denied ed tech because of your socioeconomic circumstances and that's a really really important part of what we do amazing yeah just if people go and google at and learning and it all comes up for now you can go play around with the website um and then go and have those conversations um anna thank you so much for your time on tea and teaching thanks so much for having me Uh, It's been our absolute pleasure. Listeners, we'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to Teen Teaching. Arthur, we love Edutech. And um, Anna spoke so well about not just her platform, but about all platforms and how they can support us as teachers. No, absolutely. Edutech's one of those things, like we spoke about embracing and being scared. Like I'm kind of both like on a, on a very individual level, like I'm, I'm a bit scared of all this stuff, but what it's going to do to education, like is really exciting. So um, I think this is something we all night need to kind of be aware of, because this is going to change what we do. Um, what was your main takeaway from that though, Mike? It, it Similar to what you just talked about there, Arthur, it's about embracing that technology and, and finding, you know, and I talked about finding platforms that work for you and kind of come in line with your vision of education. So you you know you know you got me into ChatGPT and I absolutely love the platform and it works for me and it it can take a lot of my workload away from very specific activities um, and I think if you can find a platform like Atom Learning that can do a, a like an analysis job of where your students are at and inform your planning and give you that information within five ten minutes. Um, instead of hours of analysis of exam questions, then absolutely grab that, embrace it, use it, um, and just give yourself more time to be an expert teacher and to plan those amazing lessons instead of taking your time doing admin tasks and analysis and and things that technology can do for you. What about yourself? I completely agree with everything you said there, Mike. It's like, I think this stuff allows teachers to teach rather than spend hours creating questions and hours going over Excel spreadsheets. For me, it was all about like Edutech allows these programs to be incredibly adaptive because they've got these huge amounts of data. And that's something we, we, even the best teachers can never do on the scale that these platforms can do. And that allows them to be super adaptive, which allows them to be super specific for those students which is kind of using this this great big bit of data to be recontextual. And we've spoke about so much, Mike, about how effing we talk about 
needs to be in the context of your school. And Edutech is another part of that. But these big data sets allow the context to kind of be the focus rather than the overall topic. Um, I just think it's really exciting. Um, like, go check out Atom. There's other places to go check them out as well. But go go on the Atom website and you'll just get a feel for, for where this is going. Um, Mike, it's been an absolute pleasure as always. Thank you very much, Arthur. And thank you to our listeners. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tea and Teaching. If you've enjoyed the content of this episode, please feel free to share it with other educators. And if you're able to, please leave a review on the platform. And as always, thank you for listening to Tea and Teaching.